Joining up to the Comedians Comedian Podcast Insiders Club at ComediansComedian.com slash insiders makes you feel special and cool and it's easy to set up, it's even easy to cancel and if you have any difficulties you can email me directly and I personally walk you through it. So you can listen to all the extra content in a very simple way once it's set up. All the extras just ping onto your device without needing you to do anything else. You know, like a private podcast. So this is a little extra treat for everyone who supports the show. If you're swamped with podcasts or pushed for time, you can still support the podcast. Just sign up anyway, ignore all the extras, and get a hassle-free, warm, fuzzy feeling that lasts forever. Don't miss out. Become an insider at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. Today I'm talking with Tony and Andy, otherwise known as the Raymond and Mr Timkins Review. Uh, As you will hear, they are almost impossible to describe. They are a a, a phenomenal, very British, very eccentric, uh, kind of physical, prop-based and music-based act. They're quite unlike anyone that we've had on the podcast before, or indeed anyone out there working. Uh, They will talk a little bit about... uh, who represents their gang within comedy. And it's sort of people like uh, George Egg, Chris Luby, uh, Steve Best, and other names like that that you'll no doubt know. So we'll get stuck right into that in just a second. Uh, They are going to be at the Edinburgh Festival this year in the Pleasance Dome at 8.30pm. The show is called Ham, and you can find out all about it at edfringe.com, the Pleasance website, or raymondandmrtimpkins.co.uk. This is Tony and Andy. I know very little about your background. I just know that every time I've seen you at a gig in the 13 years or so I've been gigging, you've taken the roof off and had standing ovations and just kind of just been just completely surprised everyone by being nothing like anything they've ever seen before. It wouldn't be a lie to say that that has happened on occasion, but there's also been the immediate opposite of that as well, which has been audiences just being very <laughs> horrified by the act. I don't know, yeah, confusion. I don't know whether that's because it's not what they're expecting or whether it's just too ridiculous. I don't know. I just think it's ridiculous and that's why we like doing it, because it's ridiculous. Something. Can you can you describe the act for people no. listening in New Zealand <laughs> who might never have seen it? Um, it's difficult. It's probably easier for you to do it but I would say it's um, it's it's an old vaudeville style act, um, perhaps contemporised, but it's very much based in old double act history where you've got the, the larger one and the thinner Hello. one, who's <laughs> not so much smaller than he used to be. But, yeah, and, and the large one is interpreted to be the idiot, but, you know, it's more props based around a musical soundtrack which edits together clips of songs right back from the 1920s right through to modern day, I don't like to say chart music, but that's what it is. Um, All big hits, can't use anything but big hits, but it's all edited in a fashion that we can pull out props or boards of words. I don't know, it's terrible, isn't it? It's a terrible description. (laughs) I don't know how to describe it. People have asked me to describe it before, asked to describe it, and I don't. Can you describe it any better than that? No. 
That's it. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, what it is, is sort of lunacy. Do you, I mean, it's, it, <laughs> it, it grabs audiences and it, it's clearly, what I love about it is, like you say, the Vaudevillian kind of tradition, and it's also, it has a very British feel to it. It's very it, British, yeah, I'd agree with that. It's like, and feel free to correct me or pick me up on any of this, but I would add to that, um, it's sort of, it's a two dickheads act. Do you yeah. mean it's two yeah, yeah, dickheads absolutely. being dickheads? And yet something about it elevates it beyond... You can see, in an order you must be able to see, when you walk on, the audience must look at you with a certain amount of, what is this? Disdain. Like, yeah. are these people... Yeah. Often, yeah. yeah. What's going on? Yeah, yeah they're, they're, like, you look like nothing else they've ever seen. You're, you're, wearing, you're wearing a, a dinner jacket and argyle jumper. And a is it a knotted hanky at matching, the beginning? Matching hat, matching, matching hat, hat. Yeah. beanie hat, yeah. and sandals. It, it people look, pick up on the sandals. Of people look at your feet a lot and nudge each other. Okay, tell me, tell me what other visual reactions that you see from your unique perspective on stage when you come out. What does it look like? People are expecting. What are people doing with their they just faces? Look disappointed often. I think they're <laughs> expecting like a seaside special, nineteen seventies. Yeah. Double act, like we're going to do Cannon and Ball or something, and they're, they're not, most of them not in it for that. So, I, I think there's a certain amount of, um, we tick a lot of negative boxes for an audience. I think, <laughs> one, we dress up, which is perhaps not, well, it's definitely not very cool, is it? And it's not intended to be. I mean, it's meant to look ridiculous. Um, two, we use props. Three, Andy used to walk on with a guitar. I mean, there's three things immediately that, that people... <laughs> and for your double act, you know, it's just awful. I think for most people, it's just awful. That's their, you know, their horror of walking in a comedy club and seeing someone like us go on. I think and, we look like we're from the 70s or something. And, and uh, is, is that the origin of your opening line? Because I've seen... That's the moment when it turns. Well, it can't... Yeah, the origin of that is purely self-defence from doing our first open spot in London at Up the Creek on a Sunday night. When was that? When? At yeah. 94. Okay. Malcolm Hardy's Sundays, and he compared, and I think there have been three open spots on before us, and each of them have been booed off with get off your shit, you know, shit, shit, shit get off your shit, you know, just a whole audience turned. And so we were stood, I don't know if you ever remember, you've done up the creek haven't you many times I've done, it, I've done up the, the creek old, now, not the, the older up the creek no okay we used to stand in an arch by the bar and watch the show and I'd we were dressed up you know waiting to go and I just turned to Andy and just said I'll just tell them we're shit at the start <laughs> and maybe we'll get five minutes you know because the others won't get in their time but I'll just go on and tell them we're shit so that's where it started, you know, it's just purely self-defence. So you walk on and go, ladies and gentlemen, Good we evening, ladies are... and gentlemen, we are shit. <laughs> and they saw, there was that second, couple of seconds of silence of, oh. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and that's the moment that the audience turned, because I suppose what, what, it, what that moment is to me is that you're walking on, looking ridiculous, looking like, like you said, loads of box, ticking boxes of things they hate. Mm -hmm. But that opening line says, we're self-aware. Yeah, we're, we're acknowledging we that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Let's just go back to that sort of the origin of it. How much of the show did you have then? How much did you have, did you have like a cassette tape with music cues on it? It certainly would have been cassettes, yeah. Um, I think when we 
I think when we actually started doing open spots, when we were doing fives or ten minutes, we only had like two minutes of what we do now as a f full show. So I can't honestly remember what the rest was. There was a little bit of I don't think you ever spoke, did you? So no. it was it was you no, always, was the, always I was always mute. Yeah. The, the I mute could never one. Stand the sound of my voice over a microphone was just hideous. Try this. <laughs> yeah, it does sound <laughs> shit. Right. Um, yeah, so we had. Uh, I think we had a bit of banter, and, and it was always prop based. We had loads of props yeah. and we had stuff. Different, three different characters, didn't we? Was the um, well, when, yeah, when we started doing when we, when we compared it for the first time, we ever went back. That's right. We was, had yeah. to do it. We had like boxes of props and stuff rather than the big box on wheels. So we sort of carry them all in. We had to have a table and stuff. So we were right pain in the ass. I, I seem to remember we covered the whole stage in bin liners. Did we? And we did. Annie song. Oh, okay. Like, yes. Could we do that? Could <laughs> yeah, we? Yeah. Wow. Go on. What's that? Well, I think it. What happened was that we did the open spot, and Jane and Malcolm were both there on the night, and they said yes. We, as Malcolm probably, as we'd hoped he would, you know, like something stupid and off the wall, and so he booked, booked us for a weekend, some months in advance. And I think we were doing the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and. Perhaps the Wednesday, Jane rang and said, we've got you in up the creek this weekend, just confirming. And I said, yeah, it's fine. She said, um, one question, though. We'd like you to compare it because the compare is going off to do some TV work and he won't be there. Could you compare it for us? Well, we, when we started, we were comparing the Wedgwood Rooms in Portsmouth. Okay. So that was something that we left behind. Um, we didn't really, we wanted to just develop this Roman and Mr. Timpkins thing, but what could I say? I said, yeah, we'll, we'll compare. We wanted to get in out the creek. And it was like Malcolm had been in in advance of us going on stage for the first time in there to compare and said to the audience, look, these guys, first weekend here, they haven't compared here. Be nice. And it was a delight all weekend. Oh my god! Up the creek, it was just incredible. Yeah. And how yeah. were the, how were the other acts? Like, were they a delight to all of the acts at the weekend? Or were well, they, I, I, was I can't just, remember. It's just a blur, isn't it? Of uh, yeah, fear, and you have to keep going back on when you're comparing, don't you? It's like three yeah. gigs in one night. It's just yeah. Especially when you're not used to it. And and what kind of comparing had you been doing at the Wedgwood Rooms? Had you been doing the act, the musical well, act? We've been doing, doing that as we used to do the three bits of comparing, you know, three acts, so we went on three times, and we'd do different characters in each piece. So when it came to eventually, or far too early, getting picked up by Off The Curb and doing 30 minutes for Off The Curb, we were so out of our depth <laughs> that we would, you know, in fact, we, we formulated a way of doing three sets of characters in a 30-minute set. But it did mean that every 10 minutes you were starting again, if you know what I mean. We had a quite clever way of changing from one set of characters to the next which involved performing some adverts which one would be on one would be off yeah so you'd be able to change your jacket in the first advert you know and then change your trousers in the next one so you'd slowly evolve into the next set of characters through the adverts but yeah it was always a bit odd and who were you watching at the time? Who were you inspired by? What what made you like were you going on thinking we we want to be like Vic and Bob. Someone or something? Well, I think probably Vic and Bob were influential at the time, but I don't think we really took too much of that in what we were doing. I think just the whole idea that you could do something different or something a bit unusual and 
perhaps get away with it was inspired by them, I think. Um, but inf influences at the time were, were limited, I think. I think the whole reason that we started doing this act, Raymond and Mr. Timpkins, was from comparing the Wedgwood Rooms and seeing stand-up after stand-up after stand-up. Not that they weren't good stand-ups, but there wasn't... We didn't seem to get that variety down there, did we, in no, Portsmouth? There were more double acts in those days, weren't there? But, yeah, but uh, we didn't seem to get them on the no, comedy nights. We used no. to get them on the variety nights, but the comedy club tended to be male stand-up, male stand-up, all female stand-up. Not that they weren't good, but we just thought, well, we need to... If we're going to compare this, we need to not only be a double act, but we'll do something off the wall as well, you know, try things out and just... Be in hometown, we we sort of got free license. Yeah, for those you could mess about. They were right, they were they gave you some slack to uh, yeah. do what you felt. And yeah. and how did you bring yourselves to it? Were you performers before that? Before no. getting up and doing it? Well, what, we're, what did you we're do? In a, what were you we're in a to? band, weren't we? Yeah. In '85, we met. Oh, we didn't meet, met before then, but yeah. we started started a band in '85 in Portsmouth. What kind of music? Oh God, what was high it? energy, electro, sort of. Bobby O type production, like Divine, that sort of thing. Do you know that? Ah, oh, what's Divine? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it, it was set up as a, a silly show band. Um, ridiculous lyrics. And what, what were your day jobs at the time? What I was uh, gas board in the office, obviously. Don't get my hands dirty. <laughs> I was an uh, electronics engineer with the Ministry of Defence. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Working with the Navy, not in the Navy, but with the Navy. Okay. And the why did you want to be in a band? What was the... Well, I don't really know. Everybody I wants don't... to be in a band, don't they? <laughs> why wouldn't you want to be in a band? <laughs> I, don't, I speak as someone who's never wanted to be in a band. Haven't you? I, no, not really. Weird, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the initial thing was. Don't know. I mean, I was, in, I was in bands at school, so okay. I've always sort of done something. I and mean, Dad was a jazz musician, so I've always been interested in performing you know live performance seeing him in pubs and bars and stuff and and was it was it comparable in in what ways was it or or wasn't it comparable being on stage as a double act at the Wedgwood rooms to like in terms of the audience reaction in terms of the buzz in terms of what you got from it was it you know, what was the difference between being an electro band and being like was it better? Was it worse? Was it just more economically yeah. viable to do comedy? What it was, was the... it was like starting again, really, because we had a good following in the band. We had used to sell out rooms for four hundred people. What, were you, what were you called? Uncle Barney's Atomic Wobblers. <laughs> it's available on Bandcamp. <laughs> yeah, available on <laughs> Bandcamp. Really? Yeah, <laughs> Bandcamp download. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was. Um, it was like starting again, really. It was because although we did pull a certain amount of people along from those days, it wasn't that. This was something else, but we, we, me and Andy were developing Raymond and Mr. Timpkins during the band days because in between numbers we would do something together, you know. Okay. And then I got involved in comparing the local Battle of the Bands competition down on uh, South Parade Pier in Southsea, and that involved four local bands, South Coast bands, um, performing a short twenty-minute or whatever half-hour set. And they'd have judges from local media, recording studios, whatever, sat there marking up star quality songs, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then when the four bands had finished, you either had a 10-minute or 20-minute break while they went off and totted up the scores, or you could fill the 10 or 20 minutes with, your, you know, something you wanted to do. So okay. 
it went from having an interval to thinking, well, let's utilize this interval. And my wife passed a charity shop one morning and she messaged me at well, rang me at work and said, there's a stylophone, a broken stylophone in the window of the charity shop. Would you be interested? And I said, how much is it? She said, two pounds. But it says not working. So I'd be an electronics engineer. I thought there's not much to a stylophone. So, <laughs> but yeah, get it. So that's where it started. Really. She got that. I took it down to the back of the bands that night because there's only a battery terminal that was broken. Took it down to the back of the bands that night and filled the 10 minutes with requests from the audience. <laughs> and I think at the time, any dream will do. Jason Donovan was number one. And so that was the first request. And so I picked that out on the stylophone. And then it went on from there. And then the, you were down there watching, weren't you, that week? And you said, next week, I'll bring a guitar. Yeah. And you dressed in ladies' underwear and with a big Mac over the top <laughs> and just wandered across the back of the stage while I was playing the stylophone, just wandered across with a carrier bag in ladies' underwear to a massive reaction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what was the first bit that you, that you got hold of as a double act that, that had a huge reaction, that you went, hang on, this... this like, what was the first moment when you thought, this could be our career? Oh, God, I'd never... No, I don't remember, even even I now, think, I don't no. think this could be our career. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, we're still hobbyists. In my head, we're still, me and Andy sat in my one of our bedrooms just putting together some soundtracks and messing about. That's exactly how it feels. It still feels like that. But you're, but you're full-time, you're professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 14 yeah. years, yeah. yeah. It's never really been, money's never been the, or fame's never been the, the driver. It's more, you don't have to have a day job if you do this. And it's fun, so you know. Again, why why wouldn't you do it? It's uh, it's sort of showing off. It's it's incredible to think that you. I mean, there aren't many double acts that manage to keep going for fourteen years without getting bored or pissed off with each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, we're probably more like brothers than brothers are. Really. I mean, we spend more time together. We have we have little fallouts, but we don't. It doesn't drag on and very very rare i mean honestly very very rare and how many years since 85 we've worked yeah. together which is what 33 years we've probably had a couple of times, couple of times where yeah. we've had a little fallout but sort it out sort it out get on with it so tremendous fun talking to these dickheads <laughs> really really enjoyable uh, to talk to such happy and humble performers I mean, you can hear me really redoubling my efforts to make them cry or split them up. And it's really, it doesn't work <laughs> because they're so, uh, so happy with their lot. And I think in these troubled times, it is just really satisfying and heartwarming to hear people working in comedy who get on well, love each other, work hard, do something extraordinary and don't seem, at least at this stage, to be replete with psychological issues. So uh, we can all be a little bit more like like Raymond and Timkins. God, that's a, a genuinely horrific thought, <laughs> performatively speaking. So, a couple of things. Uh, yes, Raymond and Mr. Timkins.co.uk or follow them on Twitter at Raymond Timkins. Um, and they're in the Pleasant Dome at 8:30 p.m. The show is called Ham. My own Edinburgh show is at 2:50 p.m. daily from the 4th to the 26th, not the 16th. So don't turn up on the 16th. God knows what'll be occupying that gap. I'm sure it'll be something good. Um, but come and see me when I'm on. Uh, the show's called End of. And thank you to everyone who has been coming along to the tour and commenting so positively on the second half, e.g. the preview, e.g. the new material. Um, I've got about five or six previews left, which doesn't feel like much, but 
At the same time, I feel like for once I'm in that position of going, yeah, I don't want to overcook it. Who even says that? Anyway, uh, come and see the Edinburgh Show, please. End of at the Liquid Rooms Warehouse as part of the PBH Free Fringe. Now, um, a couple of little technical things. There have been some issues with FeedBurner. Now, I, I, I'm going to start saying words where you might not necessarily know what they mean. I don't really know what they mean either. My thank you to everyone in the Facebook group um, who has been making me aware of uh, how badly wrong an element of the podcast feed has been going. A lot of people can't seem to download an episode past um, the advertising about my DVD record, which is about three episodes ago now. Um, thanks to everyone on the Facebook group who makes use of that wonderful thing to ask each other who they should see at Edinburgh, who, who they should see at ARGcom. Oh, ARGfest.com, uh, which is a, a brilliant preview festival coming up shortly. Um, as well as using the Facebook group for those things and posting endless B-memes, you can also let me know that the fucking thing's broken and I'm struggling to fix it. So I, I will get it fixed, I'm sure, this week. But um, if you... Basically, if you're listening to this now in real time, then it hasn't affected you. <laughs> and if you're catching up with this later, presumably once it has been fixed, it is fixed now. Yeah, that must be. That's the way around. So thanks to JQ and thanks to uh, everyone who has been helping me with that. Um, and I'm going to do a big I finished the tour this weekend in Cardiff. It was the last night of the tour. Uh, like I mean, it has officially finished and I miss it. And I'll post amble at you about that in a moment. Before we get into Raymond and Timkins, though, just time to uh, thank a bunch of people who signed up. I, this is not just from the last week, but recently, within the last uh, 10 days to, to two weeks, I just want to thank new members of the Insiders Club, David, Andrew, Ethan, Moritz, Jason, Tom, Simon, Rakesh, Malcolm, Neil, Andrew, Benjamin, Charlotte, John, Stephen, Stephen again, Matthew, Michael and Neil with an E. And Philip who it turns out is a friend of mine who I didn't know he had the real name Philip. And of course, when you join, uh, I get to see uh, your PayPal account information. I mean, not like, not anything I can use to steal anything from. It is funny, people get in touch with me saying, um, can you up my donation from £1 a month to £2 a month? And I'm like, no, because <laughs> if I were able to do that from this end, I could up all your donations to a million pounds a month and then shut the whole thing down and run away and retire. So, um, uh, so Philip got in touch with me and he is the latest to pay for greater than two people's membership and request that I use that additional membership money to spread the love to someone who isn't currently in a position to afford it. You are amazing, Secret Philip. Um, thank you. I'm so... This is the third time that's happened. Someone's joined the Insiders Club to get access to the private podcast with all the, all the content therein. And, um, and then they have got in touch with me and said, look, I've, I've upped my donation so that you can give a free subscription to someone else. I I'm just staggered. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Secret Philip, and uh, also Colin, and also the other person who did it that wanted to remain uh, anonymous. And uh, Lewis and Will send their excited thanks to you uh, that they're now members. So you can get all of the stuff at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders, including extras from the John Luke Roberts episode, uh, the Simon Evans episode. What have we got? Claire Roby, a barrister, giving me a proper interrogative grilling on uh, how to use stand-up to uh, improve the work of barristers. That's a fascinating one. And, of course, redacted from the Secret Welsh Festival just been. That's everything for now. Let's get back to Tony and Andy, and I'll have a little post-amble at you afterwards uh, where I will weep about the end of my tour. <laughs> so is there... It's really interesting to, to hear an, an act, a professional... Full-time act, 14 years in it. No, professional 14, 14 professional. years. 
describe yourselves as feeling like hobbyists. Yeah. Like, there is something really enjoyable about how you approach gigs and how you approach, like, the, the thing that we're watching on stage. There's something really... It's so different from stand-up, 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 yeah. stand-up. But equally, I'm wondering, like, do you think of... Are there other acts that you think of as in your wheelhouse or in your peer group? Other kind of odd-bod sort of acts? Well, Steve Best, would people sort of say, have you got... You can't do it. Do you know anyone who can? We'd normally say, what, Steve Best? Steve Best, yes. Yeah. Um, but there's very few. I mean, there's... Uh, uh, Otis. Yeah. And Otis Cannelloni, George Egg, um, Noel Britton, when he was doing it, I think he was always terrific to watch. Yeah. Um, who was the other guy we used to really enjoy doing his military impressions? Oh, oh, Chris, Chris Luby. Luby. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's a lovely boy. Yeah. I mean, I always like things that are slightly off the wall. I mean, even stand-up taste, I guess, that's, you know, although I like really good stand-up, I've always gone, been drawn towards someone who does something slightly different. So whether that be um, Milton Jones or Tim Vine or, I don't know, someone who's... I suppose it's ridiculous stuff, isn't it, really? That's what I'm saying. It's things that are more more stupid I don't know and is there are you ambitious no <laughs> that's so refreshing I believe you <laughs> like do you have amb ambitions however slight for the act like would you like do you, do you guys tour no like at as, the moment no we'd like we would like to do a little theatre tour or something art centre tour but I don't see anything bigger than that, anything grander than that. And the only reason to do that would be because we're both getting older. It'd be nice and... to be done by half nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And back in the car together, yeah. having a chat on the way home. Yeah. yeah. So let, let's talk about the stuff and let's talk about the development of the stuff. Because in those 14 years, how many times has the tape changed? Oh, God, it changes. All the time. Yeah, maybe in a month, maybe... Some some months, maybe four times in a month. You know, maybe each weekend you got something new in. Like last weekend, well, the last couple of weekends we've put something new in each weekend. We've got something yeah. new in tomorrow. It's just constant development. And obviously, you know, not everything sticks. But unless you throw it against the wall, you don't know what what's going to go in there. I mean, we've had gags. I mean, one of the most popular ones, which is stuck in there, little by little, was had been written in a book for a number of years before you know, flick through it one day and thought, oh, yeah, I should, should have a go at that. How are you going to do it? Oh, you don't know. There's two boards with little written on and you put them together and that. Get the carrier bags. We'll do it tonight, you know. And that's exact. And, yeah. 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 <laughs> think, oh, shit, that, that's been waiting for years. Why didn't we do that years ago? But there's... I've got books of ideas written down. But, yeah, it's, it's not just a matter of... Not that it's easy for a stand-up, but if a stand-up goes up to a gig and decides, oh, I might try that tonight, it's got to be pre-planned, you know, it's got to be yeah. recorded, it's got to be made, it's got to be not rehearsed, because we don't rehearse, but we've got to drop it in in the car, you know, this is what, this is where it is, this is what I suggest happens, you know, you do what you want. And then generally over a few performances, Andy's turned it into some sort of ridiculous... <laughs> Performance magic. Well, that's rude, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, talk to me about talk to me about your different strengths within the 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 double act. 
Like, right. do you what do you bring to it? That do you bring the same kind of thing to it? I mean, it sounds like you know Andy has a particular. I don't. I don't know about strength. I think we've got different jobs that we do. <laughs> You're going to yeah, say I don't so... know about strengths. We've got different weaknesses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got plenty of them. Yeah. Um, I tend to put the music together, do the recording. Generally, I make the props, but simple props. Andy tends to make the bigger, t- tougher to make ones. <laughs> He's got a bit more, bit more. Uh, I don't know. Patience. Patience than me. Yeah, that's the word. That can be asked. Yeah, Just and the... you you do all the. Um, Admin and yeah, sort of uh, Facebook and Twitter and videos, emails, and that sort of shit. Yeah, and in, but in terms of like when you're like, what does the environment look like when you're creating new stuff? Is it just you're sat in the car listening? To, do you make an effort to listen to different songs in order to yeah, broaden we, the? Because it's, it's so song based. You're right. Yeah, we did listen to a lot of music over the first five years of going pro. I guess just in a desperate effort to update continually update um I, th- I think nowadays it tends to be it's very difficult now because music doesn't hang around that long do you know what i mean like when we were younger god going back mm. but if a song was released it might be around for two or three months yes whereas now, yes i, think, I remember brian adams uh, everything oh, i do yeah, i do it for you yeah. it was around for a year and a half yeah, wasn't yeah, it yeah things don't tend to do that anymore what Music that we need to use needs to be in the zeitgeist, you know, whether it be a TV ad, whether it be being played on Radio 1s, 2, local radios. It needs to be everywhere. It needs to be a big hit. Do you know what I mean? You can't pick an album track generally and take a lyric because the lyric's great and that fits what you're doing because people need to have that recognition. Because there's something about the kind of the closure of it, isn't it? There's, there's, There's the bit when it's... There's a lot of fun to be had in re-watching your act once you know what the punchline's going to be mm. because you get to see the audience undergo the journey that you once yeah, saw. Yeah, a lot of or, people say that. Or, or yeah. as a comic, you know, it look, obviously we think in comedy terms, you know, a bit faster maybe. So you hear the chords and you're like, oh, this is going to be little by little or whatever yeah, it is, yeah, you know, yeah. you get the joke first. Yeah. So I suppose there must be a lot of pleasure in that for you of setting up there's this, yeah, and you can yeah. see the clever kids catching on, and then yeah, what? Yeah, there's yeah. like, yeah. so do you do you need to edit the timing of how much of the song you play yeah. in order that the joke works? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's quite a lot of occasions where there's too much song initially. There's too much. Cut the fat off. Get down to the meat. But it takes a few weekends to establish just where you can edit, just how much you can lose to get. Because really, it's a whole set of punchlines there's not a lot there's no setups in there at all is there really <laughs> it's just purely really punchline 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 so really <laughs> so really it's that. just it's just cutting the meat back to that or cutting the fat back right down to the gag every time just as, as short as you can get it and and they're just to think of to describe for people who've not seen it again i'm, I'm you know i don't want to talk about it in such terms that that it's alienating to people who haven't seen it um but by all means, feel free, the listener, to pause this and go and look up yeah. the Raven and Mr. Simpkins <laughs> review, R-E-V-U-E, on YouTube. Yeah. Um, but you're t- you do a lot of work with kind of taking big letters or signs yeah, yeah. with words on them and switching them. Or There's a whole routine with it yeah. and or I and T, and you bring the letters together, yeah. and they're kind of pinpointing. They're just loads and loads of references to, yeah. to songs. So I suppose... 
Is there a is there something in the way that you make the stuff that I got? I remember what I was going to ask you. There was someone on Britain's Got Talent who did something <laughs> really similar. Yeah. Yeah. When was that? Last April. Tell me about that. Well, not much to tell from our side, really. I mean, we were we were at a gig waiting to go on stage, um, literally dressed and ready to go backstage and both phones went didn't they yeah, both phones were, both phones were going and phone. the immediate thought is well something's happened at home yeah, yeah. Of course, why of course. else would everyone be trying to contact both of us at the same yeah. time um i think you went to your phone and just said oh someone's on britain's got talent doing our set and we just sort of Nah, really? <laughs> Would anyone really bother to do that? <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of effort to carry they, around. They've you done know. your... <laughs> um, They're doing all the setups. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I think what happened was I... I immediately, I immediately tweeted, Britain's Got Talent, and just said, oh, well done. You know, you asked us seven years in a row to come on and we've refused. Is this because we said no? Sort of right, thing. right. Um... And we left it at that. That's all the involvement we had. And then that night, I went home and I did a catch-up, called it up, watched it, and I thought, oh, well, it's... it's uh, he's obviously seen the act, but I'm not that bothered. It's very poor. Okay. He'd done it very poorly. Um, and what they broadcast wasn't exactly what we do anyway, so... Yeah, they cleverly okay. cut it and edited it. <clears throat> OK. Um, how, how, so, it, well, it was a... Because I've not seen it, I've not seen yeah. that... that the thing so it's the it's the same concept with different well, that, songs they were doing or he the bits they'd edited to to broadcast were different songs okay but using me um and i can't remember exactly what letters but he used letters oh. o's and stuff similar to what we're doing okay you know use well, a different song that says oh but the same sure joke. sure yeah. The same different song that says I. Yeah. We just had a load of O's in a bag. Yeah. Diff okay. Different okay. song that says I, a different song that says, you know, the same jokes, but yeah. with different songs. Um, and I went to bed reasonably happy that he hadn't really infringed our personal copyright. Um, and then woke up the next day, had the, I think I had the Sunday Mirror. The people, the express, the mail, all ringing. And now, you tell me where they get mobile numbers from because. Yeah, right. I don't know. But they rang. Um, I think Steve Bennett was the first on the ball when he, yeah. he'd emailed and said. Um, I'm about to give all your phone numbers to. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'd emailed and said, this is, you know, you're aware this has happened. Um, any comment? And I think you, I said to you, well, you you're good with words. You give him a short comment, and I think it was a paragraph or something like that. And then every time the papers were ringing, they just said, oh, has it affected your... How, how much has he ripped off? How, how bad do you feel? And I, I said, no, I'm not getting involved, really. And they said, well, give us a comment. I said, no, there's a comment on Chortle website now. I suggest you go there and use that because that's all you're getting. And that's all we did. It just palmed everything off to one comment, and the whole thing went nuts, didn't it? I mean, you probably saw it three days of a really really weird weekend went for a nice walk in the countryside and the phone was just even yeah it would go somewhere with no signal there's still signal and it just kept going and going and going we had about 850 hits on the website each day two days mm. running yeah it's just and it did us a lot of good to, yeah. to be fair it's, it's sort of I mean this is how um, partially 
uh, Brett Vincent, who's taken us to Edinburgh this year, he's sort of picked up on the support that we got. And I think partly that he's always like what we do, but I think partly that's what's persuaded him that, you know, we'd be a good bet to to do an hour show and for him to back us to do it. So, I mean, it's the only way we'd ever do it. So, so you've never done Edinburgh before? No. no. Well, this is when I saw, when I got in touch with you, it was because it, <clears> it is that thing about just raising your head above the parapet. Yeah. When I saw you were going to Edinburgh... I thought, oh, come on, great. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you're, you're someone who, like um, George Egg, three or four years ago when he first went up, it was yeah, like, yeah. come on, man. what? Get yourself up there. Go, you know, you've been being brilliant for years and the circuit kind of, the circuit is the circuit. You know, it's, yeah, a, it's a, a way to have, yeah. it's a circuit. It's a, yeah. literally a circle. <laughs> you know, you don't necessarily yeah. kind of achieve escape velocity. Right. Now, coming back to what we were saying about ambition or your lack thereof, are you doing Edinburgh just sort of for fun or are you doing it thinking that there might be some other currency in it? I think purely what we said earlier, get a small personal tour out of it if we can. Now, I don't know what a tour would involve, whether that would be a couple of months, whether that would then kick on and give us a second tour. I don't know. But that really, that's the idea, isn't it? Yeah, and to, you know, if we, we've got sort of radio stuff we'd like to do and we've got loads loads of ideas that would be nice to, to get out there, but we, we've got no raging urge that we have to do it and that we're going to stampede everyone on the way to doing it. We've got none of that. We've got no game plan as such. But, uh, you know, we're just happy to see how things work out and if we haven't got to pay for it and we're not going to lose we're not going to lose August's wages doing it then you know why not go and give it a go do it once and then then see how it goes so So, we can say well we need to raise the profile a bit really that's what we need to do because you know you say you're stuck on the circuit really that's good enough for us you know we we're living the dream our own dream of not working full-time in a full-time job. You know, we wanted to do this. And that's why I say we still feel like hobbyists because we've given up work and we're doing this. Yeah. It's and incredible. We, before the Edinburgh thing sort of hit and like every minute was making props and sets and writing and before it took over, we had quite an idyllic life. We had like <laughs> two, three, four gigs a week and then the... the you know, the, the rest of the week, you sit scratching your ass and bloody watching daytime. Yeah. <laughs> it's really work. hard work. <laughs> I spoke to someone yesterday who I won't name because I don't know what uh, order the shows are going to go out in, but they are a uh, young, ambitious, energetic comic with a great angle, quadruple threat, you know, and, and I spoke to them about contentment and happiness. And although this person is very pr- professionally happy... They don't feel like they're content at all. And one of my favourite things to ask on this podcast is, you know, are you happy? What what level of success will be enough? And it's lovely <laughs> to hear like, Hello. <laughs> We're there. Stuart's talking to us. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> there you go. It, it's so heartwarming to hear people just quietly enjoying themselves. And I mean, it must, it, you know, I don't want to give the listener who doesn't know you the impression that you're trundling along in terms of your performance. Because like I said at the top of this show, you know, you are a roof-raising act. Hmm. And one of the things that's so lovely to see is people who absolutely, when you walk on, there's there's a, there's a uh, you might have worked with him, there's a rapping comedian called Chris Turner who does freestyle raps, but he looks like a, he looks like a sort of posh Eminem. That's yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. about it. 
and he's got his lovely thing of going like, right, so give me three suggestions and I'm going to freestyle rap about them. And he says something along the lines of, and it's not going to be anything like as bad as you're all expecting. And then, you know, and then he goes on to just smash the place because he looks so preposterous. And I think there is some, like, I have so much delight and maybe that's part of why you have so much support amongst comedians and amongst the circuit when the whole Britain's Got Talent yeah, yeah. thing went off is that you invoke this absolutely, and I don't mean childlike, I mean childish, <laughs> like an incredibly childish sense of whatever a sort of grubbier version of wonder is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think it, 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 is, it is childish, and I think possibly our best audiences are middle-aged audiences, although I always like to see a good range of ages in the audience what we don't work well with which people always say oh you'll be great at our university you'll be great with the students no we won't because they're too, they're too busy being cool and yeah. then you know but like, we we throw it away at the start and then aim to get it back but they don't seem to you know they don't want to play they're, yeah we're like their uncles or dads dressed up stupid dancing at a wedding yeah yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> like there's no layer of no. Um, like then you're just a couple of uncle dads. Yeah, that is it. There's no level of perceived kind of irony. To, like, yeah. no. And, and they no, don't know the songs. No, and there's them. no way out of it. You know, once you've once you pressed play on the iPod, yeah. that's you're it, mate. You're locked in for yeah. 30 minutes, kids. That, I was going to say that. I mean, that must be, yeah, there's no gear change there, is there? No. That's, this, this is what it is. Yeah. yeah. But there's two of us, and you but, have got the music to cover any booing or get off. <laughs> it's best to die we together. We die together. If we die, we die together. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, that's interesting. Are there any other audiences that you find that you turn up and go, like that you kind of peep out from behind the curtain and go, oh, this could be trouble? Very, very old audiences. Like okay. you do some of the Warner. Can oh, I say Warner? I've said it now. You, you, you play like some holiday parks. Okay. Um, and uh, like they're all leaning on their the sticks and sort the of shaking frames, slightly. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, they're and, and no, they, they, they're not keen on the silliness, I don't think. Just okay. looks like you're giving me a prostate exam yeah. at <laughs> one point of the set. Brings back too many memories. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. So you did this um, uh, comedy at the Kings, yes. John Maloney's project. Yeah. Now, I haven't had John on the show to talk about it, but if you could briefly without... I mean, I don't, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about what it is. I don't know. He's, he said not to... Um, put out any more photos and stuff because he's trying to sell it at the moment but I don't have when's this going out is it going uh, out I mean we we have no more information than's already no. been online or well if you could just describe to us then what yeah. is what is online okay well, what what happened was um they took 24 comics who've been doing the circuit for 25 years or more who are age 50 plus I think that's the I think that it was, was the idea yeah. um and put us on a TV well you know they filmed it. Fil in a, filmed in for, for sale stage. to TV. But um, we all did 10 minutes in a beautiful theatre in Glasgow, King's Theatre in Glasgow, in front of practically a full house, about 1,400 yeah. people wow. in there. Night, both, yeah. both nights, each night, sorry. Um, oh, you were all the same bill twice? No. Oh, no. no. you get yeah. one guy. So you yeah, 12, 12 acts 12 on eight. the first night and 12 on the second. Um, yeah, and you, you all did 10 minutes in front of a live audience. Um, and it was great for us i mean um, the only thing we had a long wait on the day because i think the filming started at 7 30 and we were yeah. like the final act of the the third episode we were the third act, closing act of the third episode sure. so we did three episodes a night yeah 
Um, yeah, so it was a long wait, and everyone was doing very well. So you got to that point where you th- you know that thing where you're ticking down and says, well, someone's going to fail. There's 12. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's eight. They've all done nine. Shit. Ten. <laughs> and that, no, but it was lovely. We really had a good time. And it's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. Whether anyone will buy into it or not, I don't know. But, you know, there are there are a lot of older comics on the circuit who don't get a break, whether it be TV or media-wise, whichever you know, whichever medium it is. Um, that's not particularly why we did it. I'm not really too bothered about doing it on TV, to be honest, because I think the more you do on TV, the more you, you know, get rid of that. You can't really do that again. But I think it was fine. I think it's not going to be a mass audience viewing, I wouldn't have thought. But, you know, hopefully they'll get it away and they'll they'll make something of it. Do you feel that amongst acts, and let's say 50 plus, because that's the kind of the mm-hmm. remit of the show, other other older acts on the circuit, do you feel that your, uh, let's say, freedom from ambition is commonplace? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people who haven't got Facebook accounts, websites, and I mean, um, Sean Percival um, called me a Tory because I, 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 I've done a website. <laughs> According to him, that, that is like the utmost capitalist thing you can ever, ever do. Um, but I, th- I think there's a lot of us came up, it was never a, a career option. You, you didn't do it. You did it alongside your, your day job and you were just largely messing around. And then some of us, like, you know, lucky enough to to be able to leave the day job behind and just do this. But I think a lot of us didn't come from looking at it as a career. Most people didn't think they'd ever earn more than sort of 50 quid on a Friday and Saturday night and, you know, they'll pay for your beer. I think I think there are some with more ambition <clears throat> than us and perhaps more um, feeling a little bit left out, perhaps, with, with um, you know, gone, gone beyond the age of where they might be attractive to a to a TV producer or production company or whatever and perhaps feel a little bit left out on that side but I don't there wasn't certainly no on the night we were filming there, no was, massive ego there was like it was quite a good team you know everyone yeah. was sort of backing each other and hoping that genuinely I think hoping that everyone did well and because you know you that can be a difficult stumbling point on a night if someone doesn't do well you can either ride ride it out and have a good time yourself or the whole audience will be dragged down by that bad performance but or you know unappreciated performance let's not say bad performance but yeah I think everyone was genuinely backing everyone else there was a good team spirit there I, I, I'm not sure I couldn't speak for other 50 plus acts about their ambition but everyone seemed all right everyone seemed quite happy to have a, have a go at it have a, have a chance to get on and how do you feel about the fact that like I, I I feel when I came into comedy, I was at the tail end of the people who were just doing it as a means of having an alternative lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At the very tail end of yeah. that. Yeah. Just as other people were starting, just like a year or two after me, who were thinking Wembley Arena. Yeah. 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 Jimmy Carr's of this, this world who... Who, who did it. Who've got a, <laughs> yeah, who've got a game plan, stick to the game plan, work really hard and, and achieve what they set out to do. Um... That, that did, and then that that's inspired a lot of other people to to do it. I mean, whether it's the right reason or the wrong reason to do it, I don't know. It's not for me to say, but it's uh, it's it's certainly not why we we started. That's for sure. There's a when we first started comparing at the Wedgwood Rooms in Portsmouth when it first opened as a comedy club. 
there were some of those big names were just leaping off the circuit. I mean, we had Jack D, Lee Evans, Joe Brand, uh, Mark Lamar, bless you, bless you. Sean Hughes. Um, oh, you could rattle them off. Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg. Yeah. Loads of good, good comics who were just stepping off the circuit, you know, and, and there was TV opportunity. There was Saturday Night Live at the time and there was numerous other vehicles, wasn't there, at yeah. the time for, for comics to go and do. But... Um, we didn't even know in our ignorance that there was a circuit we didn't even know there was a circuit and I think it was probably John Mann was the first comic who came down and performed at the Wedgwood Rooms yeah. who said why don't you come and do my club and we sort of well, there's another club <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we come and do another club yeah. you know and that's how we sort of wormed our way into the circuit as we did we honestly we're, we're ignorant very naive, of it. weren't we? Yeah. Honestly ignorant of it. We thought well, we got a comedy club in Portsmouth. We've been asked to compare it. Let's do that. Didn't think where are all these comics coming from. They must be working <laughs> at other places, not Please, just coming down club in Southampton or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. then we sort of everything we've done up to this point has developed organically, if you know what I mean. We haven't forced ourselves in front of where we think we should be. We Things have come in, like corporate works come in, and as you've got more experience or become a better act or whatever, different work has been offered, and you think, oh, yeah, that, that's the next step. Let's move on to that step. We haven't sort of thought, I want to get on that step. Do you know what I mean? We've, we've just sort of... Things have evolved. I guess Edinburgh might be the next step. I don't know. But it's just sort of something... The next thing's been dropped in front of you, and you think, oh, here we go, and have a go at that then. For how long can you see yourselves continuing to do it? Well, I'm, I don't know. I, I remember in my 30s saying, I can't be doing this when I'm 40. <laughs> uh, now I'm 56. <clears throat> yeah. So just keep going. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. As long as people keep booking you, then you keep going, don't you? You don't keep coming up with material. And I mean, the material for us, people say, oh, everyone's bringing it, you know, songs are coming out all the time. There's like, I know a song with love in it. I know a song with me in it. He said, yeah, but it's not just putting songs with me and love together it's it's a bit more intricate than that the nature of songs has changed it's it's like largely a youth thing now it's not a whole family i mean when i was a kid we used to sit down as a family and watch top of the pops and mum and dad said well, that's bloody awful and you were going <laughs> yeah it's brilliant. It, yeah, yeah, yeah i really like it um but you, you don't you don't seem to happen anymore it's sort of music's largely in pockets and there's like a big youth thing like I could never listen to Radio 1 anymore like it goes on it goes off it's just and Radio 2 is too bland and then so it you know six you, music six music's great but you know it's too esoteric for, for me a lot is of it? the time <laughs> yeah yeah I mean yeah. I like it but you know and I do listen to it yeah. but only because it's the nearest yeah like six minutes when you was a kid and you went on your summer holidays and you came back and you turn on the radio and there's loads of songs on there you didn't know it's a Radio Six is a bit like that. They're always playing songs you don't yes. know, and it does sort of, don't know, sort of opens it up. There is there yeah, is, is good quite positive new, in the way there it is good new music stuff. out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, radio, radio Six are the only people that seem to be playing it. That's not sort of dance floor fillers and stuff. It's, yeah, so it, it's difficult to do new songs because there's very few huge hits that everybody knows. <laughs> Just to come back to the intricacy you mentioned there, the intricacy of the relationship between the song and the timing and the performance, what is that? Can you talk to me a bit more about 
exactly what that is. What What do you mean the actual what we're looking for when we when we're adding something? To... Yes, I think um, a lot of people seem to think that the whole act is misheard lyrics, which really pisses uh. me off because there's probably I don't know how many there are in there. There's I mean, a, you've there's got a me, number. You've got me begging yeah. you for birdseed. That is a big yeah. misheard lyric. Yeah. It's a brilliant one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the one. I, that's one of the first things I described before I describe your. There are there are a number in there. I'm not denying that, but I think the act is more about misinterpreted lyric than misheard I don't think yes there's so much you know we, we either in interpret what do you call it when you you know you interpret it you sort yeah. of physicalize something yeah but it's um like with me in the corner you know it's literally that, that there's a word with is. me yeah there's a board with me written on in the corner I mean it's, it's just a literal interpretation of the lyric which you're changing not... the context of the the lyric to be from like it's me to actually a board with me. You, you're actually just sort of looking at. It's exactly the same as a stand-up. We'll we'll look at a situation and just twist it slightly so it's uh, unexpected. It's, That's art, and we should talk about that on the way out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but there, there's um, there's certain routines in in the set that have remained for quite a while purely because they're very big chunks of material. And if you wanted to replace five minutes in a in a night, that might take getting on a year, you know. So, um, but try and space things out. So oh, yeah, there's a number of misheard lyrics in there. I'm not, I don't deny that. But the, the whole set is not misheard lyrics. And you've got to position things in the set. Like we we do a couple of things in the set where you know the audience are going to be there before you get to the end. Yeah. And then you throw something in which you think which they think they've got and then you twist it so you you keep them on board all the time if you like you've got to look at the layout of the set and think right you put two of them together there and then they're going to get the idea that the next one's the same you know and then you then you twist it have you got your edinburgh hour no (laughs) talk to me about where you are with that how much stuff have you got we've got we've got a plan we've got a script and we're working on it now um we've done one preview which sort of showed us that we were heading slightly in the wrong direction because we were trying to again subvert what we'd done in the past without acknowledging the fact that the audience don't know what you've done in the past so you you know so um it yeah. must be very it must be very strange 14 years in to be being introduced to a new audience for the first time yeah yeah i guess so i haven't really thought about it i think it's um it's interesting that when we talk to people you know who who do Edinburgh regularly, and they say, "Oh yeah, great! At last, you know you're coming." To, what's the big deal? You know, we're coming to Edinburgh for a month. I don't see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing it, just out of pure interest in what's gonna, what might occur. You know, but I think I'm more interested in seeing other people's shows. You know, and seeing what seeing what goes on. We've we have been up to Edinburgh a couple of times and and seen what happens. Um, I can't say I'm a massive fan. Can't say that. <laughs> Go on, why? I, don't, I, I feel it quite competitive, and I don't really like that. I'd rather sort of chill out and enjoy. There are ways to do that. Yeah, I know there are, but we haven't been there and learnt that yet. Yeah. We need perhaps some guidance on that. <laughs> are you bringing your families up? No. no. You're going to be dead by day three? <laughs> well, we won't. Because, well, the one thing we asked Brett was, can we get a five o'clock show so that we can be in bed by seven? <laughs> but that didn't happen. We got half eight. Half eight, okay. okay. Pleasant's Dome. 
there are excellent. There are definitely ways to. What room in the Pleasant Dome? Do you know? Kingdom. Kingdom. The Kingdom. Great. It's a lovely room. There are definitely ways to absent yourselves from the madness of the festival. Yeah. As I, the last two I've been up, I've been there with my child, there with me. And, There's certain uh, bars you're supposed to avoid, apparently. Well, there, I won't reveal the specific details, but I know at another festival that is comparable in some ways, in an, in a whole other hemisphere, uh, another comedian who shall remain nameless deliberately sits and drinks in a casino bar, so there is absolutely no way he will run into anyone from the festival. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so there are ways of yeah. doing it. Yeah. There are definitely some secret places in Edinburgh I could mention. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, mention away afterwards. And yeah. then, I don't really want to isolate. I don't want to be isolated. What I don't want to do is get dragged in. I, d I don't think we can because we're just not that way of being really. dragged into no it's all the looking over your shoulder while you're having a chat see if anyone more interesting's yeah walked in and the, the few times we've been up there we've had that you're it, talking to people and they're not really yeah you just, get shouldered all the time yeah that's uh, a, yeah. that's easy to avoid yeah 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 There's just some don't talk to those 80 shoulder pads <laughs> 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 yeah i don't know i don't know i'm not expecting anything and i'm you know i'm quite interested in performing an hour but Maybe after a week that'll be tedious yeah, as well. Right. <laughs> the novelty yeah. worn off. Yeah, that's uh, that is an you know that is the, one of those you know people often say about comedy it's a marathon not a sprint and mm. at Edinburgh you really feel it's a marathon. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I should uh, I'll come and interview you for two minutes every day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Tony and Andy, aka the Raymond and Mr Timkins review. Don't miss their show Ham at the Pleasance Dome at 8:30 and that's some, there's a thing that always happens uh, uh, during the Edinburgh Festival and festivals in general where I desperately want to see things. I'm up there with the family as ever. I'm doing my own shows every day. I'm doing spots to promote my own show. I'm trying to see as much comedy as possible because I love it, but I have to prioritise people that I haven't done on the podcast already because there is so much stuff up there. I've, got a, I've already got a list of 20 things I must see because I've promised people interviews. I don't think I can do 20 interviews in that time, let alone see... I mean, I used to see 50 and 60 shows. It's got to be spreadsheet week. This Wednesday, let's do spreadsheet day. I keep saying it's this Wednesday, but I'm, basically it's coming up on a Wednesday soon. I'll try for this Wednesday where everyone sends in their spreadsheets of who they're going to see and I'll retweet and put on the Facebook group uh, all, of, uh, all of your spreadsheets for the incredible nerdy admin that you've been doing in order to ram in all your shows at Edinburgh. The point I'm making is that once someone has been on the show, it's very hard for me to go and see them live because they they become deprioritized in terms of research and they become just a treat. And I don't have time for treats. I've got to fucking see all these other shows. So the point is that I will definitely be going to see Raymond and Mrs. Simpkins do their show ham at half eight because they are immune to the system of prioritization because they are just so absolutely hat stand. So that's that. Um, thank you to everybody. Thanks to Dan Melrose. Thanks to Rob Smouten for beavering away on the, the new music for this show that I'm very much looking forward to playing you all soon. Um, thank you to... I suddenly realised there was someone I should have been... Um, it's not the loggers. Who thanks the loggers? Thank you, by the way, to Matt Hoss and uh, Jake Crossland has been doing a lot of these recently. And uh, also, yes, that's who I'm supposed to thank, as well as Nathan Wood, who edits the show. I just want to uh, thank Peter Dobbing, uh, comedian and consultant of this podcast, who is sort of 
the mysterious power behind the throne. He's like the grand vizier of uh, Comcom. And I don't really mention him because to me it's just obvious these, that he's part of it. But uh, we had a very exciting uh, camping trip recently and it occurred to us conversationally that I should mention him a little bit more often. So every time I do something uh, exciting and innovative... That's because I've had a chat with Peter Dobbing about what I should be doing. <laughs> so thanks to the official pod consultant, Mr Dobbing. Now, that is it. I'm going to have a little post-amble at you now about the end of the tour and one other thing. And, uh, and if you'd like to hang around for that, please do. But for now, this concludes the podcast. Next week, probably, well, I don't know, Paul Foote? Scummy Mummies, that was a good one. Maybe Scummy Mummies, then Paul Foote. God, some great eps. Um... Okay, that, that was me wrapping up and concluding poorly. So just, I mean, I, at the end of everything, at the end of every chapter of a thing, you, you sort of thank everyone involved. And obviously I want to thank all of the people from the very beginning of the Like I Mean It process, from those people who came to see Compared to What on tour and became test audiences in the second half of that tour for, uh, for Like I Mean It, for the very first, the very beginnings of it. God, back when I was doing the stuff about the hostage negotiator that never has yet to make it into any show. Good gear, though. Um, and uh, so thank you to them, of course, and Jet and everyone at Chambers Management who booked the, the tour of Like I Mean It. And thanks to Jay Harley, who was my tech last year, and so much more than that, and really uh, helped keep my mental health on track and uh, was just kind of brilliant and would come back to me uh, waiting backstage before each show and remind me to just mean it, um, which was uh, a really useful tip. It's so easy for for shows to feel like a run. God, how do people in the West End go? I have no idea. But, you know, when you're doing a run of shows at Edinburgh or a tour or whatever, it's very easy to forget the individual significance of each one and the individual significance of each room and each group of people and how, you know, once you've done it a hundred times, these people who do, you know, 300-date world tours that go on and on and on, it must be a whole other level of having to remember to mean it every day. But thank you to everyone that uh, that helped with the show. Thanks to my wife for her brilliant editing skills. Did I ever mention this before? We have realised, my, my wife is a magazine editor, and we've realised that there is a certain point in the year after which it's incredibly helpful for her to offer me tweaks and suggestions uh, on new material, on, on existing new newer material. And there is a point in the year before which it is astonishingly unhelpful. Like if I basically have an idea for a gag or a bit or a concept or a premise or something and say it to my wife before I've done it on stage and proved to us both that it's funny, it's very easy for her to go, no, that won't work. And then I, I get angry and my confidence dies. But over, this is, this is what marriage is all about, isn't it? This is what relationships are about. Over time, we've realised that I need to not mention anything to her or talk about it at all until I've done a good few previews, got the thing under my belt, and then I could say, what about this bit? And then if she goes, that doesn't work, I go, no, no, that provably works, but what about this? And then she can tweak things. So thank you to her, and thanks to my son as well, who uh, last night, it turned out, has learnt the names of all my shows. But, you know, he's only two and a bit, and uh, he, although he's a fabulous talker, it took me a little while to go, what are you talking about? Playing that guessing game of going, is it a... Well, is it a cartoon? Is it a is it a, a song? Is it one of the songs from Moana? Oh no, you're oh oh, it's my shows. It's the title of all my shows. <laughs> okay, great work, man. So, um, thanks to everyone that's been involved, and 
I really enjoyed it. I finished it at a chapter in Cardiff on a night where there was World Cup football on, where a bunch of people bought tickets and they didn't come because it was a beautiful uh, sunny Saturday evening with football happening. Um, I don't mind. I've got their money. And everyone that was there was wonderful. So I... Um, I really enjoyed it. And then afterwards, um, some of my wife's family were there with some friends of theirs and an old buddy of mine. And we had a really nice chat. Afterwards, I hate the word chat. It's so partridge, isn't it? We just had a nice conversation afterwards. And they were saying, you know, realistic uh, sounding positive things about the show and getting very excited about a lot of the material in the second half. And that's the new gear and I'm so thrilled. This is the tour has slid so late this year that it's really weird to be going into Edinburgh in a month. It's in a month. There's four weeks left now, and I feel ready. And I feel like I'll get ready. It's a weird July. I'm going off to um, Spain because it's my dad's seventieth birthday. So I'm uh, I'm going out. So so that's that's a weekend burnt. <laughs> you know, that's like a a, a really fun family trip with uh, absolutely no income or previewing of material. Um, and then I'm going to Llama Tree Festival, at which I'm doing a live podcast, and uh, my family is working there, so I'm not actually performing there, which will be a lovely festival, but not much income and no previewing of material. So um, it, it's uh, it, it, there's, there's a lot of gaps coming up over July. Normally I'd be freaking out, but you know what? I believe in the gear. I think End Of is going to be really, really good. Because I just mean it. And it's really satisfying to gradually be getting older. Have I said this before? I, as I get older in comedy, as one gets older in comedy, people start respecting you in dressing rooms. Newer acts start respecting me. And you're like, can you, excuse me, can you stop respecting me? Because <laughs> really, it's just, you just stick around long enough, you know? Um, and uh, one of the lovely things about getting more... Uh, experienced in comedy is recognising just recognising like Tom Gleeson said in God, what 20 or 30 episodes into the podcast a brilliant Australian comic Tom Gleeson said he's getting better at recognising when he's got lightning in a bottle I said what's it like getting better in comedy and he said he's better these days at knowing when he's got lightning in a bottle like knowing when you've got a thing when you've got the germ of an idea and it's really satisfying to recognise that in myself, to go, that will work. That I'm going to spend a lot of time on, and then ultimately I'm going to drop it, so I'll just drop it now. That'll work, that'll work, that'll work. At the moment, it's all just structural. It's all just what's the order. Where is it? Uh, which way round does it all go? Is it worth doing a meaningful bit there? Or have I sort of had enough of being meaningful? And Maybe it'd be great if it was just an hour of... Um, titting about maybe I can maybe I can trust the meaning is all there because it's all stuff that's important to me those kind of questions I'm gonna go off and do some proper writing now the stuff is all there I'm gonna go off and just write tags for two hours I'm just gonna look at every joke I've got and try and put a tag on the end of it as an exercise let's see if that works look forward to next week post amble where I'm like oh god I've got nothing I've got nothing um final note I saw two previews last night Matt Hess uh, Matt Hess Matt Ewins and Adam Hess and they're both sensational comics. I will get them on the pod soon. Uh, really nice to just go and see someone else do a preview and sit in an audience with a beer and watch some comedy. And uh, Hess's show is typically brilliant, has just got jokes falling out of him, spilling out of him. He's got an incredible comic mind. And um, it's another fantastic show. 
Ewins has done it again. Uh, after I, I've been recommending Matt Ewins on this podcast for six years now, and then last year he went and got all famous and got a good review in The Guardian and got nominated, and this year he's been on telly. And part of me was anticipating, part of me was almost hoping that he'd have sold out and gone shit. Of course he hasn't. It, it's just... I was crying laughing two minutes in. So, for God's sake, I don't know what he's doing this year. I, I hope he's still doing the free fringe. Perhaps he's gone indoors. Um, I hope he's going to do big rooms and sell well and make lots of money. But, you know, that, that boy doesn't like to uh, tell anyone he's doing a show, produce flyers or turn up. So we'll have to see what happens. Um, but if you get the chance to see uh, Matt Ewins or indeed Adam Hess, don't miss them. I'll speak to you soon. Just one final reminder. Thank you to the person who gave me an ornate puzzle box at the final show in Cardiff. I don't really get gifts from people. I prefer money. But uh, someone gave me a little wooden box with sort of ribbed wooden struts around it, and I can't get into it. I'm going to give it another two days and then fucking saw the thing open. Bye for now.